Well, good evening. It's the right Reverend John St. Germain, your jovial minister of the cloth, your man of the cloth. Uh, you, do you wonder if I'm sitting here in my ministerial trappings? Because, you know, I do have that. There are pictures of me, actually, in my minister collar, which I do wear when I minister. I do minister unto people. I do blessings, and I do marital ceremonies uh, of any gender. I do same sex, different sex, uh, opposite sex. Uh, transgender ceremonies. I did it before it was even legal. Did you know that? Um, before the government got off their stiff derrieres and said, you know, it's all right for those of the same gender to get married. And why not? Because, well, we can go into that if you want to, because there's two aspects of marriage. There's the civil ceremony and the spiritual ceremony, isn't there? And um, if marriage is a civil ceremony, anybody should be able to get married. My cat should be able to marry my dog, if he wanted to, because it's a civil ceremony. As far as spirituality goes, there are spiritual um, doctrines that people of different faiths follow, and they can do whatever they want by the doctrines of their faith. Um, and I just ran out my theme music on that. This is something near and dear to me because um, I uh, performed a marital ceremony on a relative of mine who, you know, who is gay, and. Um, it was in violation of Tennessee law, uh, but I did it because I believe in it. So, how sound tonight? Because I couldn't log in via my high-tech broadcast computer. I had to call in via my telephone, like I used to do back in the old days. So, once again, I played blog talk roulette and lost. So, I'm going to reboot my uh, theme music because I like to give people time to go get a cold drink a warm drink, a lukewarm drink, if you're in uh, the United Kingdom and drink that awful warm beer. But do come back in just a minute, clutching your crystal balls, and we'll be returning in just a moment. That's all the time you get. You know, you get time to run to the refrigerator and come back. You know, we don't have a pause button on our control panel. You got play and stop, and if you stop it, you start all over again. That's how simple Blog Talk's uh, ridiculously simple control panel is. We don't have a mixer, and I have tried to find software where and to I can put on my computer and actually have a mixer panel so that I can play audio files from my computer while I'm on the air and actually have a mixer board. Now, I think I can connect an actual DJ mixer board to my computer, etc. But I'm not going to do that, for God's sake, just to do this show. Um, I'd like software, so if any of you guys have a suggestion to do that, that would be very handy, some kind of software I can put on my computer and run sound files. Because, you know, if I want to play a sound file, I have to upload it to Blog Talk. You know, for instance, this. <laughs> which sounds awful to me, I don't know to you, but I have to actually upload that. I have that in reserve, by the way. I've had that in reserve forever for a phone caller who may or may not call sometime, 
saying, all you psychics are fake. You all are fake. I hate you guys. I hate you guys. You all are fake. You all are a bunch of scam artists. And I'm just going to interrupt him with... while he rants and raves about what fakes and scam artists we are. I've, I've had this in reserve since this is 120 episodes, and I've just had that in reserve just waiting to pull the plug for these guys that rant and rave about what scurrilous scam artists and rip-off artists we are. I'm just going to interrupt him and play that as loud as I can while he rants and raves, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I've been waiting, I've been waiting, I've been waiting for that. So, you know, maybe tonight's tonight. Who knows? I'm in a good mood tonight. We have a... Uh, my friend, my friend Jim Callahan, waiting in the wings to come out and tell us about spirits. So, um, you know, this is the Crystal Silence League, founded in 1917 by by uh, Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon, a magical adept, for the purpose of distributing positive prayer and affirmation for all those in need of such. You know, we have uh, a gift shop. If you go to www.crystalsilenceleague.org, where you can buy crystal balls and crystals and a variety of literature telling you how to use these. Um, Two of them were written by Mr. Conlon himself. They're excerpted from his uh, 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 Inner Secrets, Real Inner Secrets of Psychology series. And some of them, one book, soon to be two books, written by me, uh, Reverend John St. Germain, Crystal Magic, and soon to be followed by Lithomancy, uh, which is in process right now. So... Um, if you go to www.crystalsilenceleague.org, you'll see there's a page where you can post prayers, and people will click on those little prayers and tell you they prayed for them. We get over 200 prayers a week, so we're going to go over there right now, and we are going to read some of these prayers aloud, and I invite you to pray with me. But before we do that, let's talk about Danbarite, our crystal of the month, or the crystal of the week. And um, Danbarite is one of the angel stones, and there's five or six of the angel stones. And um, it's a very highly charged stone, very high in its vibration. It's uh, If you look at them, there's yellow danbarite, there's purple danbarite, there's white danbarite. Um, and um, danbarite will open the crown chakra to higher enlightenment. And some people say if you look into the inside of some danbarite, you will see an image of the Buddha himself. Um, it activates the intellect. It activates higher consciousness. It is said to chain together the heart chakra and the crown chakra. Um, some people say it activates the soul chakra, which is a chakra that floats somewhere above your head. Um, it's an amazing stone. I will tell you that from personal experience. Um, and it gets its name because it was discovered in Danbury, Connecticut. And uh, although it's been found all over the world, it's been found everywhere. Uh, I like the Danbarite that was found in Myanmar in Burma because, you know, that's where the Buddha was born, in Burma. So um, you may find uh, it, certain images of angels and Buddhas in them. That's why I like to, rather than order them online, I have to go into a shop and hold them in my hand and go, okay, this is the crystal that I want right here. Uh, it can ease conflict among people. The pink Danbarite is very good for meditation and contemplation. Um, because it is a heart stone, resonates with the heart chakra. Um, and the um, various colors of Danbarite have been associated with various angelic entities. So um, I believe that there are 12 different shades of Danbarite, each of which is named after a different angel. 
um, Denver, I can help you release past trauma, not only from this life, but previous lives. So um, the soul chakra is very interesting. It's the soul star chakra, and it has been related to astral travel, interdimensional travel, uh, traveling in the various planes of existence. For those of you who uh, enjoy that sort of thing, this is the stone to work with. You can make a direct elixir with it, drop it in water, uh, let it charge in the sun or in the moon, and use it thereby. You can anoint the chakras with it. You can sprinkle it around your environment. Um, you can drink it. Uh, always put a couple of drops of brandy in it. Not only does it make it taste better, but it also prevents it from getting moldy. Um, remove the stone from it, of course, because you're, you're uh, using sympathetic vibrations to uh, charge the water. Uh, you can also work it, uh, you know, when you do crystal grids, you can uh, anoint the surface with uh, the various elixirs. And uh, I have been experimenting with the Bach flower remedies made with various crystal elixirs, and you get very interesting results when you do this. So that's our Danberite, our crystal of the wheat. Um, let's turn our attention to our prayer page uh, on the Crystal Silence League. If you go to the prayer page right now, you can look at the prayers. Uh, being a pastor, I can actually go into the secret underbelly and look at the pictures and the names. Um, if you're a member, I think you can uh, get to some layers there um, and look at pictures and names. And uh, a very uh, lovely lot of people you are here. And uh, I will not call names out, just prayer ID. And I invite you to pray along with me. And if you have your crystal balls, send out positive prayer and affirmation for the following people. We cannot read all the prayers. We get over 200 a week, but I'm going to select a few. And join me in prayer now, if you will, for the next few minutes. Prayer ID 66219, who says, Pray for the man I love to not feel like he is better off without me, and that he ends up soon gravitating back towards me, and forever and for good. Amen. Prayer ID 66217, prayers for my marriage, my husband, that he can understand and commit to his marriage, remove all evil forces away from our marriage, that we can have a successful and blessed marriage. Amen. And prayer ID 66216, he says, hi again, everyone. I have to say, in addition to my previous prayers, that my son Kay is in a loveless marriage and that his wife, A, also posts pictures of her with an inmate on her Facebook, and she even has pictures with the inmate and her kids, an inmate, and her as well. She's dating an inmate. Also, I have to say that I am hoping that Kay and his brother, G, that lives in an adult home in Florida, will move back to Virginia and that he will continue to get great care here, too. Also, I pray my sons will always be shielded and well-protected from any harm. May it be so in God's name. Amen. Prayer ID 66214. I'm requesting a financial breakthrough for me and my family to be able to purchase a bigger home and live in a better neighborhood for my grandkids. They cannot live with me or my son due to limited space for the three of them. Please, I'm asking in the blood of Jesus for a financial breakthrough. My neighborhood is gang and drug infested really bad. Daily, a lot of police and ambulances. Please let this happen. Amen. Prayer ID 66213. Lord, I lift up C to you and ask for mercy to get her off of drugs and remove any negative or bad influences in her life that are enabling her. 
it hurts me to see see on drugs God place your arms of protection around sea with a battalion of guardian angels surround sea with only clean good and positive people in your name we pray amen and prayer ID 66212 Thank you, God, for touching the hearts of the school administrators and those of the power to make a difference. Help them to heal the conflict in the society and help our children develop the values and morals that have made this nation great in spite of the small gains of the enemy, which is, of course, the devil to corrupt. In your name, amen. Priority 66210. Just a quick prayer for strength and angelic support, and thank you, God, for giving my husband the strength he needs to achieve his goals today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Prayer ID 66209. I have an exam today. I'm nervous about it. Please aid me in prayer as I take this first exam for grad school. Amen. I hope you get straight A's, kid. I sure do. I hope you get straight A's. Go out there and, and kill it. Prayer ID 66208. I don't know how to ask for help with this situation. I'm scared it may be helpless. I met and fell in love with Jay almost three years ago. We have a really difficult time in our relationship. It's off and on. I'm lost and heartbroken since our last breakup. It has me paralyzed. He's really struggled with alcohol since he left. I'm scared he's has enablers in his life that's made his drinking worse and has kept us apart. Please bring us back together so I can help him before it takes him completely. Amen. Let's pray for healing for uh, Jay. Very handsome young man he looks like. Prayer ID 66207. May blessings and good spirits go to the kitty here in Ozone. I see with leg injury. May its leg heal and all pain and infection be dissolved. This is a stray cat. And this cat surrounded by white healing light of love. Bless a cat and dog. Pip Punzi. West Oki Finn, Jay. These are cats' names, I think. Jedi, Una, he's cat. Love to you. Thank you. Saints, An Saints Anthony, Expeditus, Jude, Saint Michael, and all the sons and planets. Amen. Evoking strong saints to heal these little cats and dogs. I think these are stray dogs and cats. Prayer ID six. You know, God, God bless all stray dogs and cats. I hope they all find homes and I hope they're all protected. Prayer ID 66206. You know, my cat Figaro was a stray cat. He uh, he moved in with us. We had no choice in the matter. He just came in and moved in with us, and we had no choice. It was his decision. We had no say in the matter. Prayer ID 66206. I would ask that a prayer be said to finally get the interfering individuals out of the game, that they and their evil doings and ways finally be destroyed by the divine temple and HPM once and for all. Amen. Bless you all. Get them out of this person's life. Pray him out of there. Pray ID 66205. Please pray that M and MS decided it's for the best to move their daughter AS to another school by the end of the month. May AS finally realize she has no friends at F High School and is better off going to another school. Pray that she leaves FHS and never looks back. I pray that she makes new friends and leaves all her FHS friends alone. There's nothing worse than bad company. Get her out of there. Amen. Let's just get a couple more and we'll move on. Bring our guest out and talk about spirits. Prayer ID 66201. God, 
Please heal my family from the struggles we face. Help soothe our anxiety and overcome our depression. Surround us with positive, supportive people and guide us in the right direction in our lives. Protect us from all harms and loss. Thank you for your prayers. Amen. And I want one more. Prayer ID 66197. Lovely young lady holding a small newborn baby. My ex-boyfriend is a drug addict who left rehab. I saw he was in jail again recently. I sent very nasty Facebook messages from a fake account cursing and insulting him. This is not the first time I've shown my anger and vengeance toward him and his addiction. I do miss him, and I'm constantly thinking about him. He doesn't have my contact information, but I'm hoping and praying we'll cross paths again soon and that his soul will be healed. Please reunite us. A-R-N, be healed. In God's name, amen. Let's have a moment, prayer, and meditation for all those in need of healing. A special prayer for those around Sonoma, California, still fighting the wildfires. Amen. Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. The prayers were especially poignant tonight. A lot of uh, relationship and uh, drug problems that seem to be a theme tonight. May they all be healed. Our guest tonight is paranormalist Mr. Jim Callahan. Uh, I almost said Cunningham. Uh, you know, uh, um, there was there was a Cunningham from uh, Lou Ellen who wrote a lot of books, and um, in that vein, you know, of course, uh, Ray Buckland passed away into the silence recently, and man, was he influential to a lot of us involved in the um, paranormal field. And uh, I think Ray Buckland wrote more books than uh, uh, God. Jeez, I can't. I look on my bookshelf and I thought Ray Buckland must have written two hundred books, um, and uh, as did Cunningham. Um, he wrote a bunch of books too, but uh, Jim Callahan is our guest tonight. And we're going to bring Jim on, and if you have questions about spirits in the spirit world, 
by all means, give us a call and write this number down. And it's also up on our screen, and it's on our Facebook. It is 657-383-0525. Be sure to punch one, and you will be in the queue. And if you're in the queue, I will bring you on the air, and you can ask a question, and you will be famous You'll be broadcast all around the world on our show. We have we have quite a few listeners actually. We have I think last time I looked we had something like three to six thousand listeners uh, in the podcast downloads. So Jim, are you in the studio? I am here, John. Oh, welcome back, man. We had a great time last week, and we had uh, lots of compliments and uh, uh, people said bring that guy back on. We want to talk about spirits. So I'm going to ask a question, Jim. What is a spirit? I believe it's you that uh, in the research that I do, I look at it as it is you continuing to interact with this reality once your corporeal body is no longer active. So it's, uh, it's the continuation of consciousness. Exactly. And that. Scientifically, I mean, you, and that's what we talked about last week, that I look at a lot of, I, I research this in a different way than a lot of other researchers do in the field, in that I come at it, I'm looking for validation that's hard proof from the scientific world. And if we are to believe physics and science, that you can come, become quantum entangled with things, and people, that means that even after this body that you're in right now no longer works for you here, you still have access to this reality because you're still connected to it. I believe that once you interact with this reality, that you never truly leave. Because your, uh, your consciousness um, as a form of energy is entangled forever in, into the fabric of reality. Exactly, and also because of the influence you have in this reality that it, you'll, you'll hear people say, well, it, it's too bad, you know, Bob never did anything with his life, uh, that he did <laughs> drugs, he did, you know, and they delineate all of these bad things about Bob, but they don't have, as I call it, God's eye on the situation. Maybe that's what Bob was supposed to be, a warning to others. And yeah, that was his job. Knows, that was his job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And who knows how many lives Bob may have saved by stumbling out in front of a car half drunk, and that car wasn't in the accident down the road. Or an entire cataclysmic event didn't transpire because Bob – was there but you you don't most people don't look at it that way the value of everybody whether they're the president or they're some homeless guy that i think we're all here for a reason and people right. should take the time to examine the the reasons of all of these people how they're beneficial and also on the same side how they're not beneficial i mean with facebook which is just <laughs> I think a virus. <laughs> it's, it's a wasteland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a wasteland. But, and 
and there is some good in it, but what it really does is it polarizes people. You know, it's either black or white, but that, as you know, there's all shades of gray. Yeah. That nothing is all good or nothing is all bad. So, like, well, your uh, your point about um, your point about um, addicts, uh, you know, I I don't know if you've ever been involved with twelve step program, but that's that's how they look at uh, the the chronic alcoholics, you know, who are utterly homeless and wrecks. They they say there, but for the grace of God, go I. And they yeah. they experience gratitude. They say, you know, he's doing it, so I don't have to do it. He has taken the burden upon himself to keep me sober. Yeah, this is I, how and see, this is how they that, they look upon that in twelve step programs. They say, you know. You know, thank you. You know, you know they'll thank the the homeless alcoholic. You know, the guy that's passed out in the doorway. They'll thank him. They'll say, you know, thank yeah. you, you know, for taking this upon yourself so that I can stay sober. This this is and, one of their uh, one of their uh, gratitude uh, uh, techniques. And I think that's and good always, because if you really yeah, consider think, that, yes, rather than uh, look down upon. Uh, the homeless alcoholic, like so many people do, they take on themselves the burden of um, uh, of taking that um, away from so many of us. You know, yeah. there but for the grace of God, go us. They take on a lot of the karmic misfortune that otherwise we would be suffering. Which is why I, you know I give homeless people money. People say, well, he he's going to spend that on drugs. He's going to spend it on alcohol, and I say, I, I'm not. Asking what he's going to spend it on, <laughs> you, know, you know, giving, giving is, is, uh, you know, if I give if I give you a tie for Christmas, I'm not going to ask you if you're going to wear it. You know, giving <laughs> is, is <laughs> you know, that's not what you do with give, giving. You know, you can take it home and that, throw it away. That or is the tie best around analogy the ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm giving. Oh, it I'm going to act of giving. I give it as an act of well, giving. I'm not going to say, what are you going to do with this money? And besides, Am I going to follow him around and see how he – I don't know that. Uh, and so what if he does? You know, He's doing it so I don't have to. And, yeah. Uh, right. So um, th- this is to me is just uh, uh, a good point that you're making there. Bob uh, is taking on the burden. That's his job. That's his job. Yeah. And, and, and if this guy is so concerned about, you know, he's going to go spend it on drugs, okay, then you take it upon you to adopt this guy and sober him up. If you're so concerned about what he's going to do with that money, you fix him. And, and see, I don't even think that will work because I know Bob's no. taken a beating and some, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. when it comes down to it, that you really can't help somebody. And I know it's the old saw that – you you can't help somebody that doesn't want help. Uh, that's exactly right. And, and, and that's I, why I feel it, this is this is written into the script. It's part it's part of the deal of life. It's written into the script. Yeah, I mean it, it's, it, it's a strange thing because when you were talking about you don't know what they'll spend the money on, um, mm-hmm. that it's something they have to that thing has to be fed in them. That yes. When people say, well, they won't spend it on food. And I've had this talk with other people. I say, you don't understand. It, if you want to see it as a demon, 
If you want to see it as you know, some sort of brain deviation, that thing has to be fed. And it takes the place actual sustenance. Given a whole chicken and a bottle of bourbon, they will take that bottle of bourbon. And you can't yep. fix that. No, you, no there, it's, a, it's a very, very hard thing to fix. It's very hard. I'm like, okay, well, you stay off Facebook for a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another killer analogy right there. Yeah, you say, Man, quit you buying, got it right there. Quit buying stuff on Amazon for a month, you know. You know what is it? What oh, are you feeding? QVC. Yep. Yeah, what, and, and what, really, hungry what, ghost, what, what hungry ghost are you feeding? You know, I, and what I'm you're talking zen, about is absolutely true. I'm a walking zen stick, Jim. I'm a walking zen stick. I, I smack people <laughs> all the time. It's like, what, what, what demon are you feeding? You know, these, let's see, you stay off social media for for 24 hours. You'll you'll break out in a cold sweat. Yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah, so I mean, I, so, so let's say Bob dies and, know, and he's a spirit now, and somebody contacts him. Is he at peace, or does he take this hunger with him? You know, I haven't really thought of that. What I really look at is how my belief is we're all somewhere else. It's a duality kind of idea that more or less uh, the simple explanation is you paid to take this ride. So right. you were born into this reality, but you're somewhere else. I mean, when the uh, movie The Matrix came out, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, one of the guys that worked for me in my restaurant came in and said, have you seen this movie? It's so much like what you talk about, that we're in more than one place in a way, that you're supposed to learn something here. And I never even considered yeah. what you just brought up, that the, the problems that you have here. But, okay, running it through my thought process is that you were here with that problem and now you've learned something. And maybe the next time you come back, if you believe in that, or wherever you go after here, that now you have more compassion for people that are in that situation because you've experienced it firsthand. Okay. So when we're born, does our consciousness come into existence then, or do you think consciousness existed before birth? I think that when, uh, yes, I believe that you exist before birth, that at the point of conception, that the deal is done. You've locked in to this reality at that point that you have the key to that doorway. And then eventually you're born into this reality nine months later. There's a concept called the pre-birth uh, agenda that, that, con- that consciousness agrees to a certain I don't know, stress level or a certain uh, number of experiences. You know, like before birth yeah. you say, okay, for the sake of my spiritual growth, I'm going to experience stress level five or stress level six. Or I'm going to have it fairly yeah. easy this life because the last life, you know, really bit bit the big one, um, and uh, you don't know what experiences you're going to have. You don't say, okay, I'm going to be born into an abusive family, or I'm going to be an alcoholic this life. But you know that, okay, this life is going to be stress level six. It's going to be pretty stressful. Um, um, uh, do you think there's there might be something like that? 
I think oh, this comes from Theosophy. Totally. Um, I had not heard that, and that that's a truly interesting concept that you have. It's one of the ideas that you thought why law of law of attraction doesn't always work for some people because of the pre-birth agenda trumps law of attraction. You can only attract so many good things if your if your if your pre-birth agenda says, well, you know, you're you're supposed to struggle. What? See, and I think life is supposed to be struggle. That nobody has an absolutely easy time. But to what you're talking about, that that's a totally reasonable thing to think. That you signed on, as I call it, you you signed on for the ride that you're taking now. Right. And I never I never kind of quantified it as different stress levels, but that sort of makes sense because I also believe that time exists differently between one place and another. That sure, yeah. We possibly... Well, Einstein, Einstein said that. Einstein said that. He said if you go away, if you take two objects and put them apart, that time is going to be different relative to each other. Yes. And they proved that. They proved that with two clocks. They proved and, it. Oh, I, I remember... Years ago, I remember seeing that. And uh, But what if... That somebody said, John, here's our new, you know, just for the sake of no spirituality on this thing at all, just kind of the way I look at it, is that you've taken this ride and you do it over the weekend. But like a dream, when you're in it, it's an entire lifetime. And you mm-hmm. wake up on, you know, Sunday night, you you know shower and you go back to this other reality, and you've learned a lot. You you take these memories with you. And it, it, it's a strange idea. I mean, it's kind of like the stress level thing. But who would sign on to the stress level thing, or any of this, if you knew you were heading into a bad situation, and you had to live it in real time. But if, if well, you get what spirit I mean. It's been in existence since the beginning of time. This lifetime is just uh, a moment of discomfort. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's that idea. It's like going to the doctor and getting a shot. You know, you go, ouch, and then it's over. That's right. It's, it's when you're a little kid and you're three or four years old and you're waiting for Christmas to come. Well, you only <laughs> yeah. have that three or four years of what time is. Once you're in your 50s or 60s, man, it seems like Christmas comes around every other week, you know? Oh, time, oh, I'm 57, and time, those years go by fast, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's because of your space, you have more years to look, you have a greater mm-hmm. time frame, that's why. Yep. I mean, it, it's, it's a strange psychological game, you know, so... Yeah, and you know it's funny. I think I think I'm going to go to Ott's Barbecue. It's down on Magnolia. I think I'll go get a sandwich at Ott's. I go down there, and it's gone, and there's a whole the block is different. And I asked somebody, "What happened to Ott's Barbecue? Oh, they tore that down 20 years ago." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> oh. I just had a sandwich there just a little while ago, and I think it's been 20 years since I had a sandwich there. Um, you know, it's how memory is. That's the most bizarre. Thing when what you just you know detailed happens to you, uh, yeah. With, with 
that I, you know, I moved to Asheville and we bought this estate sale house. And because I used to work with my father doing construction and that sort of stuff, I redid it myself. Well, I had bought these giant flagstone, fieldstone things to build a new hearth. And I finally got around to finishing it last week, or at least starting on the finishing of it. And I had bought, you know, probably 400 pounds of these giant rocks, and I cannot find the place I bought them. I can still see it in my mind. My wife yeah. cannot remember where we bought them. It is insane. It's, it almost feels like I dreamt it, and the rocks just appeared in the house. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. not. It, it's like you. It's like you enter another world. The 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 landscape in your mind is superimposed upon the landscape in the present, and um, you you know you'll drive around, walk around in it, and there's two views of reality: the one in your mind and the one that you're actually living in. And the one in your mind is just as real, and uh, it's like you're a time traveler, and uh, you think it's so real. Exactly. And what I found, because of the type of show that I do, that I try to bring that about during these presentations, that I try to let people have the experience of deja vu as an entire audience, because there are certain triggers you can do and then all of a sudden they realize just how malleable reality is. That mm. they realized that they remembered seeing this show before that they're watching. And to have an audience as a group all of a sudden, it, they just kind of, they're usually a magician or a mentalist as they call themselves. They look for the applause at the end of a show. Oh, good show, and everybody claps. At my performances people don't clap because there's no reason to as i told people nobody claps at a birth nobody goes to the niagara falls and claps it's something absolutely shocking and amazing and you just take that in and it changes your reality that wow look at this thing that's just amazing and it, 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 it's just odd man that people's perception of what this reality is is just so flimsy. And some people that I think it flexes too far and they end up in an institution, you know, but. Yeah, they, they slip off the track. Um, yeah. You know, they integrate elements of reality that the rest of us disagree with and boom, off they go. Back in the old days, it would have been the tribal shaman. <laughs> yeah. You well, know. Uh, I mean, that that's part of what I do that, it's personal seance work where I spend a lot of time alone in the dark uh, and a lot of lucid dreaming, which I've had talks with people and said, uh, psychiatrists that are friends. And I said, I can really see how somebody could lose connection with this reality because oh, there's yeah. this other yeah. reality that I interact with in my dreams. Well, what if one day I decide that other reality is better? You just become catatonic and you don't come back. You're cautioned about that, in fact, with uh, some of the astral uh, travel stuff and with meditation. You're, you're cautioned not to meditate more than 20 minutes a day. There's a meditation sickness you can get where you disassociate from the real world. There's a whole list of symptoms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, this. I, I know how personally I work that – 
in the fall, I pretty much quit sleeping. I sleep three or four hours a night. And as a result of that, I become very creative. And my mind kind of shifts for a while. Um, and I do. I agree with you that you should not do certain things for extended periods of time because it could be very dangerous. I mean, people listening to this that have these ideas that I'll just go off and meditate and I'll start doing seances, well, it could hurt you. You need somebody to help you or consult some books or uh, at least go yeah, to Facebook and ask trained in, People were trained <laughs> in that. They were trained in that. And yeah. the old spiritualists always had a control spirit. They never openly channeled mm-hmm. all the spirits. And this is a, a trend I find really disturbing that people are an open channel to any spirit because almost everybody I know who did that eventually went crazy. They went insane. Uh, which is why most of the spirits had a control spirit that was a barrier between them and all the other spirits out there. You know, like Marjorie had Walter, her brother. Yeah. And um, uh, my grandmother, who was a spirit medium, had uh, uh, she had her brother who died um, as a very young man. You know, whose name whose 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 name was Paul, like my brother actually. Yeah. Uh, his name was P O U L Paul Paul and um, and. Uh, when I uh, work in the spirit world, my great grandmother, uh, whose name was Madeline, and uh, she is my buffer between everything that's out there. But if you open your mind to any spirit, uh, I, I found that people's uh, brain circuits burned out, and um, uh, eventually they. I mean, you see John Edward right now losing his mind. Yeah, he went from a very jovial and. Um, uh, personable and snappy young man to, to someone who's paranoid. Yeah. I mean, you see him now. He's like, like, what? What's that look on your face? Don't look at me that way. Don't, don't you? Don't say that. Don't look at me that way. And you see him losing his mind. Well, I mean, because he, he's an open channel. Yeah, now, it, well, it, it, it's like a rental car. You know what I mean? That you, you can have a very nice Mercedes that you drive for thirty years. But if you let anybody that's willing to drop down 10 bucks use your car for the day, what's going to happen to it? Just that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to blow the cylinders out of it? Exactly. um, That's why I work with Raymond Hill. I mean, that's the – and it's – as I said before, I don't know whether Raymond is me talking to me from the other side because I don't have – I didn't know Raymond before he passed over, and that's why I have that whole thing about I'll employ you after death to work with me uh, because there are these, there's a group of people that are saying, yes, I'll write these keywords down, seal it up, and on the outside of the envelope it says contact Jim Callahan. At, you know, I think it's applied thought technologies we use for that. And um, before you open this envelope, and when that happens, then we'll wait a, an appropriate amount of time because I'm of the belief that if you know you're dying and you're part of a, a, a study like this, that yes. you're able to contact qu- quicker than somebody that's just thrust to, into the other side, that if you just, bam, you're out of it. But if you know you're going, yeah. which is kind of what happened with Houdini. Houdini knew he was going. He already made the arrangement with his wife to come back. So 
So it wasn't a surprise to him. He was getting ready to walk across. Um, anyhow, that's why Houdini I'm doing knew what I do. Um, he had, he had, uh, he was at the end of his career, and he he knew it, and he was ready to go. Don't you think? Oh yeah. Well, what's interesting? He had that interaction with Marjorie, this uh, medium, and Walter mm-hmm. said he he would be dead in a year, mm-hmm. and. I, uh, Dave Koenig and I, who uh, works with me, we've talked about that at length. I said, how possible it is, is it that whether anything that happened with Walter and Marjorie, even if it was fake, from a psychological standpoint, if that was a self-fulfilling pro- prophecy toward Houdini, because Houdini was a very self-assured man. Uh, to mm-hmm. put it nicely. Uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. when, when, when Walter says, you'll be dead in a year, well, Houdini, no matter what sickness he has, psychologically, he's going to just ignore it because I am fine. And I, truly, and I truly believe that that prediction, as a result of his interaction with Marjorie, helped lead to Houdini's death because of that. Well, also, you know, Houdini was a very uh, good friend with Eusepia Palladino, the famous Italian medium. And, uh, you know, she taught him tricks of the fake mediums. But also, mm-hmm. you know, she said, she said fake mediums do this, but she also insisted that she was real, even if occasionally she did a couple of uh, things for showmanship, you know, to bring yeah, uh, you know, you know, a lot of the mediums who were real were also what they call open. You know, they they knew that there was some fakery, and sometimes they would uh, do stuff in the dark uh, to, because the spirits wouldn't, so they would. And you know, people came yeah. and they expected stuff, so they, you know, in the dark, you know, they would tap people on the nose or something and go, "Oh, it's a spirit," but they were that didn't mean that they were uh, fake mediums. They they were, they still were real, and and he yeah. maintained a, a friendship with Eusapia Palladino who was a uh, a fabulous spirit medium uh, up to the time of her death or his I think up to the time of his death anyway so he would go and visit her and uh, and come back and uh, apparently was very moved by some of his visits so I think you know Houdini publicly denounced fake mediums I think he he was a believer and he visited uh, many of these mediums to get uh, readings from them and um because he was he was very strange, and you know he called up Horace Golden one time, uh, or several times, and Golden said he would call him up crying, and uh, and uh, you know said you got to come over here, you got to come over here, and he said look at my hands, look at my hands, these are my hands, and he made molds of his hands. He goes after I die, there'll be molds. My hands will outlive me, and and, and you know he's like Houdini, go to bed, <laughs> you know, and uh, so he 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 you know he was a very strange man, and I think he he did worry about his fate after he died and he wanted to leave um some he wanted some assurance that there was a survival after death so he did speak to some of the spirit mediums who impressed him i think and i i, I do believe marjorie may have been one of them yeah that um I, I, we talked about it on the last show that uh it, it's been more or less covered up that he came back after yeah, he came. He passed he's over more than once. More than once, there have been seances that, where manifestations occurred. But 
or spirit manifestations. I think he's come back more than once. Well, see, and, and, and that it's been poo-pooed. Kind of comes. Well, that, that's what I look at. That um, it, the the code between his wife, uh, Harry and Bess. Bess was his wife's name for people that don't know that um, she. It was a two-part code because Houdini, if nothing else, he was a smart guy. He designed and invented. A, uh, he had patents, the first underwater diving suit. He, he was a smart guy. And so he was worried that if he got to the other side and somebody faked this thing, he wanted proof that he had really come back. So his wife had the other side of this code that after he came through, she delivered a code back and then he replied. It, it's a really neat thing. Because he was doing what a lot of these skeptics, and I mean, I hate to use air quotes, but I'm doing it right now with my white dinner jacket on as I talk to you. That's, <laughs> that, uh, and they don't want to really do the research. Well, Houdini did the research. He did, he, it was personal research on his part, and it worked. Um, and so... I'm trying to kind of continue that thing with other people. And, and I know you've experienced this too. I mean, you brought it up at the top of the show and I almost felt like coming on and berating you as being fake just to hear that music because, <laughs> because I love that sound file. But, but that really, I, I see a lot of skeptics, most of them uh, marginally proficient uh, magicians, offering these opinions that they've never investigated. Never that, never even looked at they, it. Like no. when they say there's no scientific evidence for uh, ESP, and I said, where where do you oh. get off? Of, there's tons. The, the entire body of Joseph Ryan's research and uh, Dean Radin and uh, Daryl Bim and uh, um, yeah. Ben Onerton and Stanford Research, there's tons of scientific evidence and research of for ESP and psychic abilities. There's t- how can you say there's no scientific evidence? And uh, uh, have you looked at it? They'll say name one. I say I'll I'll name about three dozen. <laughs> Do you have a pencil and paper? And uh, <laughs> John, John, it might be forgivable 15 years ago even that they couldn't do any research. But now everybody has a computer in front of them. And if you look up just the names that you were talking about, all of this information comes up. I think they're willfully ignorant because if they were to admit that these things really occur, that what we've been talking about is a reality, well, then it takes some of their power away because they've been deriding their believer friends and families for years about believing mm-hmm. in this nonsense because it makes them feel superior. That look how smart I am. And I'm laughing at you because you believe in this, you silly person. Well, when you look at the science behind it and that there really some really strange things are being found recently that, well, it, it kind of knocks their leg. They don't want to admit that they were wrong, which as I see it, that's what a truly smart, intellectual person does. If somebody says, hey, here, here's the facts, Jim. You're, you're wrong about this. You admit it. You say I'm wrong. 
But these people will not do that because they're not of that level of human being that can take that kind of emotional hit well, on their psyche. There's more smoking gun evidence of ghosts than there is for black holes. Oh, the black hole thing is the uh, – man, since I was in high school, I said, what's with the black hole thing? Really, you know what a black hole looks like to me? Because they can't even get close enough to these things. Let's say a planet catches on fire. It gets really hot. And since it's already spinning, it's like – No one has seen a black hole. There's radio waves or there's there's something that's been detected by instruments. And they say, well, that follows the mathematical model of a black hole. And uh, okay, but – there's never been a probe near one, and there's never been a picture of one, and there's never been anything that went into a black hole. But people what? have seen no, ghosts, have and people seen... have photographed ghosts, um, and people have they interacted have with ghosts, news. and there's been a lot of people. Well, I, I, we talked about everything on the last show, but with people being able to see ghosts or not see ghosts, I really believe it has to do with how that person the environment they're in at that time, and whether they're seeing it with their mind, because we talked the, the the whole idea that you have a black space in both eyes that you have no sight in, but you can't see right. it. Well, yeah. well, what if that that's the whole part of the thing that you're seeing something that's not there? So maybe blames why some people are in a room and they see the ghost. There, I, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I'm seeing a woman standing right there, and the other person is not seeing at all. And it's because they're not in the right mental place or psychic place to see this apparition. I mean, and I mean Correct. that's part of the the part of the idea behind the International Science Project, the thing that I've been playing with for probably 15 years, that I try to gather this kind of ethereal evidence and say, all right, if we do this, this, and this, it might allow an entire group of people to have this experience because let's come back uh, of, after station identification. And you can tell us more oh, about that. Let's have some, you got it station. I, we got about a, and it's fast too. You'll love this. Okay. Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays, 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursday, 6 to 7.30. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Friday, 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And we're back. We need to update oh. that. Some of those shows, some of those shows, aren't with us anymore. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, some of the, some of those shows left us. Um, now, the International Seance Project. It is a, a wide-ranging, scattered uh, experiment uh, kind of thing. That what we do that 
we there are true psychics and there are performers that are involved mm-hmm. in one part of this thing. And what they do is they will send me what has happened or transpired at their shows, how people reacted mm. to specific presentations, and they follow their audience after the event. Uh, w- when I first started this, I had a lot of people saying, well, you can't have magicians involved in this. And I said, you don't understand that even a magic performance can turn this key for a moment in people's minds. Mm. That, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they're susceptible that you can see this change in their eyes if you film the audience. And you, you know, here's a special thing. Well, what brought this special thing about? It wasn't that this guy was linking two rings together. What was it in the environment that caused this? And how does that relate to a haunting experience or a paranormal event? And then you take the paranormal event people, the people that have really had these experiences, where were you sitting? What time of day was it? What did you eat? It's this whole delineation, and you try to match these up so that you can turn it, I see it as turning it into like an infotainment lecture because magicians try to create a sense of wonder. I want to create understanding so that people can have this experience and then understand that when somebody's seen a ghost, this is what it feels like, or they've had Mm -hmm. some strange experience. And it's a a different way of going about it. Yes. It, it trains exactly. them, it leads them into that, mind, that state of mind to, to anticipate a paranormal event. Well, and I think we talked about this last time. It's really an interest, it's something that I've observed personally, that you will have paranormal events and you write them off. It's like a glitch yeah. in reality. You look at it and you yeah. say, well, isn't that strange? But you don't give it much consideration because you have to run out and, you know, pick up your kid at daycare or, you know, mop the floor or whatever. You edit it out. (laughs) You edit it out. Exactly. I'm not going to deal with that. Exactly. And then it just disappears. I mean, it's... What about magicians? And I know a lot lot of magicians, this happened there, you know, they're they're doing their card tricks and they're doing, you know, their linking rings and stuff, and then some real miracle occurs, and it just changes their whole view of reality. Um, you know, they say, uh, yeah. you know, I had somebody pick a card once, John, and I said, now just, uh, you know, I was going to do a trick, but then all of a sudden I knew what card they had. It was, I'd connected and you I saw it. in their mind, yeah, I knew what card they had, and it started to happen to me a lot. Pick a card, and I was going to do a trick, you know, I was going to, I was going to you know, look at it or something secretly, but then I just knew, I said, he, he's got the Jack of Diamonds, and I went with that. I said, uh, you have the Jack of Diamonds. And they're like, oh, your cards are marked or something. But it wasn't, John. It wasn't. And I said, then, you know, three or four days later, it happened again. I said, what, what's going on here? And, uh, and uh, you know, then, then I had to stop and talk to him. I said, well, you know, you did a – you performed a psychic connection. And they go, well, I don't believe in exactly. that. I said, you know, well, you, you, know, you know, it believes in you. <laughs> well, see, and, and coming from what I do with the International Sounds Project, I would tell them, you're, you're learning what a psychic does. You, you, mm-hmm. you're accessing mm-hmm. that thing. 
which I, once again, to go back to the physics thing of the, the quantum entanglement idea, that I do think that psychics do that quickly. Some people can do it and some people can't. Maybe some people can learn it like some of these magicians do because they're interacting on such a regular basis in this certain environment. It's kind of like an experiment that they're doing the same experiment over and over and they start having these precognitive flashes of what's going to happen, but they don't realize that's really what's happening to them. I mean, well, see, I had some friends that were magicians had, one time, yeah, and uh, and I said, well, you know, you you know, you want to try something, and uh, you know, they knew about pendulums, and I said, uh, just put a card, take a card, print on the deck, and ask, red or black, you know, if it's red, it does, and eventually they decided it was the mm-hmm. jack of spades, turned it over, and it was the jack of spades, and and uh, you know, one, one of my friends, the magician, was open to, it. he said that was just really great, you know, I said, well, you know, it 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 was a coincidence, and I said. One out of fifty-two, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, it, and it was a coincidence. Uh, okay, then you know, you know, to this day they still argue about it, and uh, uh, so you know, it, it was. And you know, I didn't do it. You know, you know, if I'd done it, it would have been one thing, but you know, they did it, and uh, one out of fifty-two, and uh, you, you know what the odds of that were? Just just ca- calculate them. <laughs> Because it was not just, you know, what card is it? It was like red or black, uh, odd or even, yeah, high or low. So, you know, the, the cumulative odds of that were something like 1 in 10,000. And, uh, um, yeah, that, yeah, you know you know what the odds of that are? Go go buy a scratch-off tonight because you're you're awfully lucky tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, pe- people edit reality. Oh, well, they do, and I think you have to. All of the information that comes into your, in through your eyes and your ears and your senses, and you sure. you know this, but maybe the people listening don't, that you delete something what like ninety eight percent of it. Uh, oh, you have and to. That, yeah. That's why. Yeah, but that's why when you're in a car accident or you know, I, I remember being a kid and some we used to make mud ball and have mud ball battles, but. I, I that was the first time I experienced that. I just saw that big ball of mud head right for my eye, and it was slow motion. And I knew my yep. body; there was no way it could move quick enough. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, what, what happened? You were in a car wreck. It's what slow happened? motion. Yeah, exactly. Because what's happened then? All everything that your life depends on comes down to that one moment, and you quit getting rid of all that information. It, it, instead, it focuses everything to that one event, and you have that slow motion effect, which is amazing. Um, and you have people, this is something I do as a photographer, that I see everything that a lot of people don't. And when I tell people I, this is what I see, and they've never even noticed it, because I see the structure of something, then the veins in a leaf, the just all this weird stuff. And I intentionally try to turn it off because it's tiring to do that. So I spend a lot of time alone. But it, I mean, once again, we're, we're talking about how reality shifts and different people have a different 
reality that some people never experience just seeing every thread in the carpet. Even if they get down really close and look at it, they, they have no interest in seeing it, but I find it interesting because it's there. Well, now you've captured uh, some uh, events phot- photographically, as I recall. Haven't you posted pictures of, uh, you know, of specters and, and things that you've uh, captured photographically? Oh, yeah. Some of we, your investigations? We, um, yeah, we we have this thing called uh, God's voice. It's a it's a a tone that um, we developed a geez probably ten years ago now. And um, what what eventually ended up happening? We sealed a broadcast quality video camera with the lens cap on inside of a Faraday cage and turned it on. <laughs> and what happened was, and the footage is posted on uh, YouTube still, was eventually we got static. I mean, we should have had, and it should have just been black, but static appeared. And then it looked like I saw it as somebody looking into the lens of the camera. And it's, for us, it was really creepy. I mean, technical term there, really creepy. <laughs> and we went, wow, that's, that's not, but the, the skeptics side, also, well, that could just be kind of, I, I can't remember the, the phrase they give it when you look at clouds and you can see images or, you know, uh, you assign. Per, peria, periodolia, something like that. Uh, well, there, you did it better than I would have. <laughs> And yeah, something like that. But they totally, they, they they totally missed the fact that none of this should have been on that thing. And it it was an interaction with Ray Hill, the my kind of spirit go between, that gave me the idea to do this thing. And I didn't even share that at the time the the video was put out. But you definitely have to. This is an affair. It it's a just a video camera running inside of a closed box surrounded by a Faraday cage. And these images appeared that, how do you explain it? I mean, they, we we haven't done many further experiments with that. I do have some footage from my back deck. I live on top of a mountain and I was having dinner with my wife and all during dinner, I noticed that, just kind of in my periphery, this flashing. And I started noticing this cloud that had not moved. It was maybe the size of, I don't know, of, uh, like, like a small blimp. And it just wasn't moving and flashing. There was lightning inside of it. So we finished dinner, and I said, I have to go get my tripod and set it up and have to film this because I know if I tell somebody this, they won't believe it, that this has been here for 45 minutes and not moving. Why well, film it? And when I looked at the film, it is a self-contained cloud. The entire time I'm filming, it's not moving, and there is lightning emanating from the inside and wrapping around it. I talked, hmm. and there's an airport close by, 
and I know a couple of pilots. And one of the pilots, when I said, it was just cloud. It wasn't moving. It was stationary. He said, well, that can happen over a lake. I said, it was off my back deck. You've been there. It was in the valley. It was below the, the mountaintop line. It was there. I have the footage. And as of yet, I don't know what it is. I mean, it, 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 I, I feel very, I, I was so happy to have captured that thing because when counting the idea of UFOs and the paranormal, I say, here's this footage. It's, it's dated. It's in the, you know, here's proof that something strange can happen. Um, it, it's quite exceptional, the strange things that happen in this world that people just write off or you glance at it. I mean, I noticed it because I'm sitting there having dinner and it just kind of kept, you know, it, it imposed upon my consciousness eventually that this is strange. There's this cloud out there that's not going anywhere and there's lightning in it. <laughs> Which brings us to the whole UFO thing. We don't need to get down that road tonight. So, Well, that's a topic for another night, isn't it? I think it should be. <laughs> a topic for another night. <laughs> well, there are John, people last I've, time I've, we talked. Yeah, go ahead. There are people I think of as, ex- as uh, experience prone. They're more prone to paranormal experiences. Uh, you know, they'll have several several a day, you know, uh, and then there are people who seem to be experienced proof they don't have any. Um, You you know, there are people who are paranormal magnets. Stuff happens to them all the time. uh, Well, I agree. I mean, uh, and I kind of liken that to my father, who's a bit tone deaf. He was a master electrician for J&L Steel in um, Pittsburgh. And because of the, the sounds in the, uh, the steel, uh, steel foundry, that um, it, it destroyed his high-frequency hearing. So he can't hear certain things. So that's no different than uh, – and plus he's partially – he has like this color blindness. So when I used to work with him, I mean, sometimes he couldn't hear certain things. And then also he would say, here, you know, what, what color is this? You know, match this paint for me. And I see that as no different. That's why some people see it and feel it, and some people possibly don't. They just don't have that acuity. Yeah, some people can see indigo. You know, they can they can see into the spectrum, into indigo, and some people can see... Uh, into the spectrum up to infrared almost. Some people can actually see infrared tests are shown. And, you know, usually cats and dogs see infrared, but some yeah. people can. And, and some people can see indigo. And usually indigo to most people looks like uh, black when you go yeah. that far into the blue spectrum. It, and uh, But they can distinguish between dark blue indigo and then black. So... Um, and then there are people who have such a refined sense of hearing, they can uh, uh, they can hear sub-vocal uh, sounds. Uh, now, I'll tell you that some people hear high-pitched frequencies. 
which appear to be spiritual in nature. And uh, it's not it's not tinnitus. Uh, many yeah. spiritual people tell me that they hear high pitched frequencies, and um, and I'll tell you that I do. In a quiet room, I hear not one but several high pitched frequencies. And uh, when I found out that this was abnormal, uh, I went actually went to a hearing doctor because I told him I had ringing in my ears and I thought it was tinnitus. And he tested me and he said. Uh, let's get some tuning forks and find out key it's in. And I said, well, that won't work. And he said, well, why not? I said, because there's several keys. I said, it's like huh. several people playing the flute at once, like maybe four or five people or six even in different keys. And he looked at me very odd, and he said, that's not possible. He said, tinnitus huh. is one note. He said, you will not, you will not be hearing several notes. And I said, but I do. And he said, well, let's test your hearing. So, you know, they test your hearing by playing notes in different ears. And he said, yeah. your hearing is excellent. He said, your hearing is excellent. You don't have any hearing loss. And he said, um, can you, I'm going to play different notes and raise your hand when it matches the ringing in your ear. And I raised my hand about five times. I said, yeah, I hear that. I hear that one too. I, I, I said, that, that's A. That's E flat. That's F. I said, that's, that's a diminished C chord, I think. And he said, you can't be hearing all those at once. I said, yeah, it's a chorus. I'm hearing a chorus. And he, he looks at me and goes, hmm. And I know what he's thinking. He's thinking, I'm imagining this. But in a quiet room, I do hear this, and it's like a chorus. And um, so over the years, I've come to a wisdom that there are people who are hearing. It's clairaudience. It's uh, yeah. psychomantic hearing. It's psychomantic hearing. It's spiritual forces because I don't hear it all the time. I'll hear it in, I, I in a quiet room where, where there's spiritual forces, and I hear it when I'm doing um, readings. And you know, I, I see, I see I lights. Totally, I see lights yeah. around people. I see lights around people, and I learned to keep my mouth shut about that when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> So you know there are spectrums of uh, of senses. Uh, we were talking on the show about psychomantic senses. You know there are five uh, physical yeah. senses and five astral senses, and uh, um, so there there are these psychomantic senses, these astral senses that are attached to the astral body. The, the old occultists talked about this a lot. I, I'm I'm going back and talking about 19th century stuff on my show, and uh, mm -hmm. so this is when I discovered that this was not a um, an unusual thing that a lot of people do this, and I've explained to people. I said, now when you feel a psychic connection, you may hear a high pitched noise. It has nothing to do with your uh, physical. If you went to a doctor about it, he'd say there's nothing wrong with you. So, do, do you find that when there's spirits around, that there is a uh, an increase in um, sensory uh, phenomena? People see oh. things or hear things. I think that's why when people are under extreme stress, that uh, even if it's long-term stress and their bodies diminish, they're in a heightened sense of awareness of reality. That, um, mm -hmm. I, as I said, that during this, this season that I sleep less and things become very hyper-real for me. Um, yeah, yeah. That uh, clarity, there's an enhanced clarity, yeah. Exactly. Uh, we, when we were just talking a, a few minutes ago about the whole experiment with what I call the carrier wave, 
um, it's kind of based upon what you were talking about with the Claire Audio stuff that mm-hmm. if you if you have several clocks ticking in a room, like big one and a small one, and the reflections become a carrier, the, the, the sound reflections in the room are echoes, as most people would call them, and the yeah, reverb now, of the room. Vibrations yeah. tend to resonate with the different vibrations. Have you seen where well, they'll take like 50 metronomes on oh, a yeah. table, and and eventually they'll all synchronize. Exactly, and that vibrations is, will tend to uh, uh, harmonize over time. And, and that see, this is what some some people miss about the old school mediumship stuff, and even why when somebody's you you'll start hearing voices when there's enough constant sounds that varies once in a while that this, this is a big part of what I do that. Yes. And it happens. If you're, if you're around also. If, yes. If there's a spirit in your house and it's there long enough, eventually the spirit and your vibrations, the spirit's vibration will lower your, yours will raise. And there, there's going to be an overlap it, at some point and, and you're going to see or hear that spirit at some point. Right. Exactly. Do you think? I, yes. And, Oh, yes, because what happens is you start feeling or sensing, or if you hear it, the, the, the variance in the background tone, as you call it. Mm-hmm. No matter where you go, there is a background sound. Nothing is ever yeah. totally quiet. Right. Uh, and because of that, if you're in a place and you're meditating, let's say, and you've been there long enough, or if you're a sensitive, or you, like you, have been doing this for a long time, you sit there for a while, and you will hear that variance or experience it. Um, that's why you, it's a you know, long time ago when they were doing seances that you got into the whole deal by singing hymns and listening yeah, to music. Yes, every, yes, everybody synchronized by singing. That's it. That's yes. it. I, and it's just Everybody like the metronome thing. That's yeah. it. And when, mm-hmm. when people, it drives me nuts when I see modern entertainers presenting a theatrical seance. Yes. And, well, okay, first of yeah, all, they you're always, doing something. They always talk in that undertaker tone, too. And it was said that that oh. night when the moon was high and the clouds go over the moors <laughs> the, and the wolves are howling. And they always speak in that undertaker voice. And I go, oh, <laughs> oh, I, I, oh well, you, you, you know the reputation I have from my, my photographs and everything. People think I'm a very, well, he's a scary guy. I've had other performers that want to consult with me, they sent me their phone number, then they won't pick up the phone because they're afraid to. And <laughs> then my friends step in and say, he's just a regular guy. He's, in fact, he used to work comedy clubs. He's a really, you know, because I found, why would you be serious like that? It's something happy, isn't it? As opposed to, why do you have to be somber? And maybe that comes from me 
you know, at one time in my life being exposed to a lot of um, charismatic faith healer events, but those were happy, right. fun things. So is, is the, the afterlife and the, the, all of this supposed to be somber, or is it supposed to be okay? Uh, I, I think it's uh, you know, bad performers training other bad performers or something. Um, Oh you know, uh, that's what it is. Yes, they they bought they, a DVD. <laughs> yeah, they bought a DVD. A bad performer, and they imitate each other, and they don't dare be themselves. Um, well, I, don't, I don't know that that might be worse. You you know, uh, I I attended one magic convention, and uh, it was. It was Several, you know, uh, just a few years ago, is the one in Vegas. I'm not going to say the name of it, but it's the one in Vegas. And uh, I, uh, I said, I'm going to, I said, would you guys like to see what a psychic reading looks like? And they go, Yeah, sure. And you know, Jeff McBride was there, and Bob Cassidy mm-hmm. was there, uh, the late Bob Cassidy, and Doc Hilford was there, and uh, and uh, and they were like, Oh, Riggs is going to do uh, psychic reading. So um, I, I got a guy from the audience, and I didn't know him from anybody. And during that psychic reading, I performed three genuine psychic miracles. And McBride recognized it. Doc Hilford recognized it. Cassidy, I'm not sure what. But there were several people in that audience that were, like, stunned by this. And uh, afterward, I was interviewed by a magician who has a podcast. And he's a friend of – Oh, uh, yes, I know him. Yep, and he's a friend of, uh, of the fellow who currently is the guardian of the Million Dollar Challenge, right? You know, so he's he's on the side of non-believing, and I said, mm-hmm. uh, "Did you did you notice that I performed three genuine psychic miracles?" And I said, "And there was no setup on that. That was genuine." And he, and he said, "He said, well, you're bound to get lucky sometimes." And I said, "Do you see mm-hmm. the dilemma you put someone like me in?" I said, "You either say that what people like me do is is generalities that fit everybody, or we get lucky." And I said. You you are doing what you're accusing me of doing. You're twisting the data to fit your theories. You're accusing. I said you're doing what you're accusing us of doing. You're you're looking at an existing reading and then applying your patterns to fit your theory, which is exactly what you say we do. You are generalizing, and you are are trying to get lucky. And I said I get lucky an awful lot. Because I do this with every reading I do. I hit specific information, specific names, specific facts with every reading I do, and that's why I am who I am. That's why I'm John St. Germain, and that's why you're some magician who can't make a living doing what you do. I mean, I nailed him. I don't know if I ever showed up on the podcast or not, but you can't say, oh, you get lucky. You can't do that. Michael Jordan hits baskets. Does he – oh, he gets lucky sometimes. You know, He throws it in the direction. Oh, he gets lucky sometimes. Okay. When I get a dazzle shot, it's not because I get lucky. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, Michael I, Jordan gets a dazzle shot because he's good at what he does. <laughs> well, yes. And see, I, what, what, what is so strange about the event you were at, I was at the same event a few years prior and did a lecture. And um, Oh, yeah, you were, yeah. I, I, I found the same thing that for a group of performers and also people that are supposed to be in allied fields to you and I, that 
they were very they, they they were looking for a trick or for a reason not to believe that what is possible if you're willing to put in the work and not be so just stupidly skeptical uh, like skepticism it's like it's harder well, work once again we come back to I'd, ideological bigotry it's come on it's, you it's know harder work yes. I, I said it is harder work for you to come up with a rationalization than it is to simply say you, you've got a simple psychic ability you got a simple psychic well, and non-reading ability the rationalizations that you're trying to build up the defenses you're trying to build up take more effort <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ridiculous to me you're building brick walls when this is a soap bubble <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah but and i but think you gotta look they at would why. do more good yeah you, know, you gotta be why 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 do they build these concrete walls and there's there's a fragility there somewhere that they have to and so this is why i don't hammer you know jim back in the 90s Man, I was a dog yeah. in that fight. I was a dog in that fight. I, I stayed out there. Uh, man, I was out there. And I fought them, and then uh, when, then I had an epiphany. I said, man, they're holding on to this so hard. This is a religious zealotry, and uh, and I said, I can't. Uh, you know, I, I said I can't do this, and um, and I said they're holding on to this I so hard. There's there's something yeah there's something deeper than this. It's more than just uh, an ideology. This is like a a defense mechanism, and I said, if you if you cracked that, uh, a huge tower would fall. And I said, I've just, I've just got to leave them alone um, and get on with my life. And uh, and so you know, I said, I, you know, I provide a service for people who can enjoy it, and uh, an entertainment for people that that like it. If you don't fall in those categories, you know, uh, no hard feelings. Yeah, and I let it go. And uh, I know you and Dave are fighting the fight. You know, fighting the good fight and. Uh, and you know, I provided you with information that I had, and I said, you know, yeah. do with this what you want to. And uh, but I, I just couldn't do it anymore. I was spending too much of my time and energy. Oh. And uh, and uh, oh man, it was. And you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Victor Zamet, the attorney, you know, who has yeah. uh, a lawyer. A lawyer looks at the skeptics. I said, you need to take a really good look at some of the uh, uh, challenges that they're offering, and also gave him. Some recordings I had, and uh, you know that you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, yeah, I and he do said, know. Is, he, he said, he said, this is not only appalling, but also very interesting that these challenges are like a catch-22. And I said, yes, Victor, they are. So he started this whole group, uh, lawyer lawyers looking at skeptics. He started that because I gave him all this information, and he became a zealous advocate against these frauds that some of these groups put up. And so there are these whole groups and organizations that are at war over the simple question, does psi exist? So why is there so much zealotry over this? It's like the uh, evolution versus creationism. Why is there so much zealotry over these questions that that, that simply can't be resolved? And um, uh, I, I, well, I, I think can't because somebody's that. making a buck, man. Somebody's thinking about uh, uh, to <laughs> me. It's just it's just not worth it. Um, you know, I have oh, I, I have uh, my congregation. You know, I've got my chapel, my church, and my congregation. And uh, you know, not a day goes by that I don't uh, 
work for somebody and help somebody uh, in better their life, and you know you're working very hard to bring about a uh, improvement in the human condition, and I I just I, I just don't see um, any use in arguing it. Gosh, we have we have less than a minute. Do you have any concluding thoughts? Well, no, I, I agree with you. One thousand and one percent. I know that's not possible, but I I do that. That's why I never really did battle with those the JREF. I decided to say I'll give you ten thousand dollars to test me, not unconditional. You test me, you get the money. I don't want your money. You just test me. I go ahead, and they ran away from me. So that was my answer to that, to, that I don't have to play your game. There's no well, reason they're not, to get... They're not interested in a resolution because then that would end their purpose of existence. Oh, well, one time they were, the Educational Foundation was told, don't even respond to me because Jim Callahan is just trying to turn the JREF into his own personal dog and pony show. <laughs> they, well, my, at one time, my friend uh, Riley G. Matthews, Riley G. Matthews. Oh, I know Riley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Riley G. was doing that too at one time. He, he he had he had them so mad they were frothing at the mouth until they just finally decided, <laughs> okay, forget, forget. You know, he's he's just messing with us. But uh, you know, um, they had to pay Riley off. You know, I heard that, because, but Riley never got his money. All right, he never did, but they they said, okay, we're we're gonna pay you some money because they they agreed to test him and then backed out of it. Oh. They did that with Dave too. That it it went through a lot of negotiation, and this was when you know a few years back when all the stock markets crashed. I said, Dave, mm-hmm. you know what? They they, they want to make sure fraud's not being committed. I lost a lot of money. So what you need to do is confirm that they have that money they say they have in the stock. It's in pledges. And everything. It's in, it's in bearer bonds. It's in bearer bonds and pledges. Yeah. And you know what? They, they won't tell you what the bearer bonds are. Oh, that's just what happened. And immediately, I mean, after months of negotiation, they kicked him out of the challenge because he was negotiating in bad faith. So believe us that we have the money, but we don't have to believe you. That's more or less what that whole exchange came down to. We don't have it's to a, prove this, and we're the majority of it. Because the majority of it is – that's what Victor Zamet discovered, is that the majority of it was in bearer bonds, and they won't tell you what the bearer bonds are. And, you know, bearer bonds might be worth face value. They might be worth a penny on – Yeah. They might be worth a nickel. So a million dollars in bearer bonds but, might be worth $5. Yeah. Well, you know, they can you, be, know, it, you know, like Wolf of Wall Street, they can be penny stocks. They can be penny yep. stocks. They but might be bearer bonds on JREF. You might be getting a million dollars of JREF stock. Hey, John, we, hey, we've, we, we've gone over time, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, we're actually off the air at this point, but it's it's still oh, being okay. recorded. So, 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 okay. so in podcasts, in podcasts, it will be it will be there. Um, okay, it'll okay. be on the podcast. Well, I mean. 
I, I just wanted to make sure because I just happened to pick up my phone and look at it. But um, yeah, really, I, I hope that people that are listening to this, be they believers, not believers, that at least they see there's a different viewpoint. And it's not just yeah. from asking people to believe that, I mean, I come from it from the science kind of side because, I mean, people are afraid of death, but I'm more apprehensive yes. that I want to see, I, I want to know. I mean, that's the great question that when you cross over, what's going to happen? I want to know all of that. So what I do is still based upon apprehension of not knowing. I mean, you can tell me this is what's going to happen. It, was, it became my personal quest to say, well, let's look around this corner. Let's see what this fellow has to say. And let's see what science has to say. That I hope that's what people take away from this, that you can look at it from different ways. And not to believe some skeptic or, or, or feel bad or feel like you have to be cowed because some fellow says, wow, that's all, you know, idiocy. So-and-so says so. Well, no, they don't. I mean, there's enough science out there to support everything that you and I have been talking about. <laughs> I almost feel like yes. we, we should have cliff notes to, the, to our discussion for people to go back and look and say, all right, this is what these fellows were talking about. These are all the studies. I mean, this stuff is coming out constantly. And when you look at, like, what some of these big-name physicists, they're kind of converting over, saying, well, I, I think there, there might be a creator. Somebody might have created this. Or I believe in an afterlife because of my own studies. Well, that's pretty powerful stuff. That you don't hear That's all the time. That's pretty powerful. And I think... That's pretty powerful. Yeah. Because, I mean, a lot of these fellas were... They're not going to be showing up at Casadega <laughs> to do no, no. A, spirit, uh, you know, a, a spiritual retreat. Um, that That's just not their thing. But they, as a result of their own personal work, like the kind of stuff I'm doing in a different way, they've come to this realization that there is something deeper going on. And, of course, there is. And more and more physicists are coming up with uh, workable models, models of, um, of uh, soul and spirit. Um, is very cool. I, don't, I, I saw something about that the other day and didn't get to follow up on it. But it is a man. There, there's so that's such a neat thing. If somebody can prove that, how how good will it make other people feel that have apprehension about death? That well, it depends I, on what they find. <laughs> well, I guess yeah, you're right, John. The afterlife. Well, well, yeah, the afterlife well, might, might be for, like. Five five uh, you know five five points in Detroit or something you know like a bus stop in Detroit. Well, yeah. well thank you for throwing a dark blanket of wetness on that idea. Yeah, I mean it could be pretty bad. Well, we better sign off, Jim. But um, uh, come back again. We'll we'll 
discuss some more stuff. And uh, all right, John, maybe next time I appreciate we'll it. discuss extra dimensional uh, and extraterrestrial beings. Maybe next time. Well, all right. Maybe we'll have demonstrations too. So <laughs> De- well, let's do de- let's do demonstrations. Excellent. All right. Hey, thanks all for right. being our guest, and uh, happy Halloween. Well, same to you, John. You have a good night. All right, and you too. Well, bye-bye. Bye.